Hi everyone, I'm Job, the co-founder and CEO of Remote, where we are reimagining how the world works and lives. And this is Remote Talks, a show where we interview the top minds in remote work and global employment. This week, Safety Wing CEO Sondra Rush joins the show. In this episode, we look at the complexities of benefits for distributed teams and challenges in offering insurance to global workers. I hope you enjoy the episode. Sondra, Sondra is the CEO of Safety Wing. Uh, well, Sondra, I'll let you introduce yourself, but in particular, Safety Wing. What is it? What does it? Why? Safety Wing is building a global social safety net for remote workers and teams. And uh, we offer today health insurance uh, for nomads and also remote teams and workers uh, worldwide. That's great. What was there before Safety Wing? If you wanted to, like, why did you start this in the first place? Started this. So I ran a freelancer platform called SuperSide. Today is still active, and we wanted to provide benefits for the freelancers on that platform. But we needed to buy it in a way that was worldwide because they were spread out worldwide, and nobody offered it the way we needed to buy it, which was global, but also we needed to make it easy to buy, like ideally an API and flexible to turn on and off. And that was sort of the problem discovery moment. And because I had previously worked with the Norwegian social safety net, I thought uh, after trying for a year to get someone else to start this company, we, we said, okay, someone has to build this. There's this infrastructure that needs to be built for remote work. And the social safety net is a, is a big piece. And of course, you're working on the other big piece. And that's uh, how it, that was the genesis for the company. Is there, now that you've been doing this for a while, is, there, is it clear to you why no one did this before? Is it exceptionally hard or is there something that makes this so unattractive to start with, maybe? Yeah, it is, uh, it is uh, surprisingly difficult. So I think every company has like their complexity. So the previous one was I did was not that, like it was easy in some ways, but it was operationally difficult. This one is, it's the legal barrier to entry roughly. And the uh, the financial barrier to entry as well. So just to get to a product to market, you need to figure out licenses on multiple levels in all countries in order to make a product that is simple. And you also need backing of like a reinsurance company at least. Uh, and those kind of proves a big barrier to entry because if you have a vision that is different from what existed before, you have to persuade these very conservative actors to, to go along with it. And I think this is why we see so few startups in this area. Yeah. Yeah, it, it seems incredibly complex, which is <laughs> why we are a customer of yours, uh, uh, in part. Who, who are the kind of people that your product, because you started out needing this for freelancers, but do you see this today as well? You know, we insure entire families, is specifically people that live as nomads, or who really is, is that person that you work with? The person we work with is the remote worker, is... I think the best description of it. Nomads is more a subset of remote workers. If you think about it in the product adoption lifecycle, you know, I myself lived a bit nomadic in the sense of working remotely and living abroad. Um, we started with that group partly because we knew it well, but, but partly because it's an early adopter. A lot of things that Nomads does today, everyone else does a few years later. And we've seen that across multiple product categories. So it's a place to start. However, the user we have in mind in the long run is that most companies will be remote and everyone who works in them will be part of an international workforce that have to have this 
uh, global infrastructures to support. And that's what we're going to provide on the social safety net part. So over the last year or two, right, the whole work world is starting to work remotely. Have you seen particular growth anywhere in the world, any particular locations that are have been booming or otherwise very interesting? Yeah, so we, we are seeing some countries that were early in vaccination grow, you know, People, are, I, I believe, are eager to, to get out, and we see that's one area of growth we see. As for remote teams and, and remote workers, that's a pretty broad-based growth where you see it uh, you know, for us across countries and fairly spread out. Uh, and we haven't been able to discern any particular patterns yet, with the exception that, of course, we see some of those countries that have a lot of people working only remotely, like the Philippines being kind of like a bit of ahead of the curve mm. on their end. But uh, this is a worldwide phenomenon. And so for you, I, I'm, I'm personally very curious about this. If, if an individual that has maybe citizenship in one country moves to another country, which you know I think is happening more and more, especially now the remote work is getting bigger. Is this a particular difficult situation for you as an insurer? Or do you have to think about this in a particular way? It would typically be extremely difficult. Uh, so even if you're in the U.S., even moving to another state would require you to undergo everything from the ground up because all the infrastructure and the insurances are only legal in one state. And so it is between countries typically. We have built our policy from the bottom up to be global. So it's not an issue for us. So one of the benefits we can offer that a regular kind of national insurance provider can't is that if you move, or if you're abroad for periods of time, you have the same coverage as you do at home. And you see some companies like Spotify, when they went remote, they announced it like that. They didn't announce it as a going full remote. They said work from anywhere. And they're working to kind of set up the rest of their company to function in that way as well. And um, that is a big perk. You know, as people work remotely, they are more mobile. So moving, you know, if you work abroad, moving home to your family for parts of the year or like to a summer place part of the year, that is now much more possible. Do you encounter particular problems or challenges with local governments? Because at least from our experience, it seems like every country invent, invented its own set of rules and you just have to live and work with that in, in, in some way. How is this for you? Because exactly you're saying you're trying to do a truly global thing and you have the same coverage everywhere. I can imagine that being incredibly difficult. Yeah, so the difference between uh, us and uh, you, I, I do, we both are in that area where we are, are deeply regulated places and we want to make a simple product that works globally. So we have to deal with the differences between countries. And like you said, in insurance, it is also somewhat invented locally and there are uh, differences between countries. And the worst situations, which you might have as well, is that there are some instances where something is, you have to have it in one jurisdiction like the EU and then it's illegal in another like the US. And that's sort of the edge case there. We look for the things that are legal across categories so that we can make something that is legal uh, everywhere. And, and that is broadly being successful. It is possible, but it is sort of part of our product development process, essentially. What is it one thing that is illegal in the US, but mandatory in the EU? I'm just very curious. It's a type of uh, discounting. Hmm. Not as exciting as I thought, it, as, as I hoped it would be. It's not no. some, some benefit that you can offer. <laughs> it's not exciting. Uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's a specific type of discounting. So what about your own team? Like how distributed are you right now? And what is the plan going into the future as your, as your company grows? So our team is growing quickly. We are, um, you know, we, over 50 on the, on, the, on, the, on the 
full team, sort of 80 in total across 60 countries. So we're an extremely international team, but it works out really well because of course, a lot of the people who work in our, you know, they grew up on the internet. And so there is this shared cultural reference that comes from that. But I do find that, you know, we have to, it is more important for a remote company to have a worthwhile mission and, and, and values. And so, because people have different contexts that they come from, but it is going really well. And, you know, we have a remarkable team actually like a, a, it is a lovely benefit to be able to hire from anywhere is that you can find these like really rare people to work on your team. Have you ever been together as a whole team in person? Yes. So we do do team gatherings three to four times a year break during COVID. We do have uh, the plan to resume in the autumn, you know, conditional, of course, of uh, that being safe at the time. I mean, these things are being a bit hard to predict, but that is a key part. We do those uh, one week and we have a great setup. It's not just sort of like team building activities. We try to put a lot of stuff that is like long-term planning in those weeks. And uh, it's been a great way for us to work remotely to also have those meetings. Oh, that's great. That's, uh, that, that's really, really nice. We, we haven't done it yet with remote since COVID started really um, a few here and there, but now yeah, I think I think there's still too little vaccinations for us to like get a big back to get uh, to organize something really big to to get together. But hopefully, somewhere next year uh, we might do the same thing. And so, as you're you know working in the benefits space, is there something around benefits and compensation for remote workers that uh, you know? Do you have a particular philosophy around that, or have you seen something surprising there? Well, I suppose our philosophy is that. We think that people, you, that the norm will should, and uh, I'm pretty sure shortly will be that you're expected to have the same benefits for someone you hire locally as internationally. You know, we're in this odd situation now where even among big companies, they kind of think that they can have completely different set of uh, norms and rules and benefits for uh, international employees. But that is uh, definitely in the middle of shifting. That's roughly how I think about it. I do think that some benefits have to be reimagined. Some is a lot more useful when you do it international uh, and some are a lot less useful when you do it international. Obviously anything that is in office becomes completely useless and have to be replaced like things like office stipends. And, and of course, when it comes to those like big benefits like health and retirement, the, the issue is usually the international part. Are you able to offer the same uh, worldwide? And um, before you had services like remote.com, you know, almost everyone, even the most serious employees would go with the contractor model. And part of that was because it's so difficult to do anything else. But now with your service being so started, it's starting to make that easier. And for serious employers, at least they have a realistic option that isn't uh, an impossible barrier of, of difficulty. So, and then um, as one of my last questions, like, is there anything surprising about building a product like yours, I, again, like I think very few people, very few businesses have, if any, have tried to build, you know, a global health insurance platform. Um, what has surprised you most about, about building this? So one thing that has surprised me a little is that, so many insurance policies are hard to read and it has good reasons. It's because, you know, especially in common law countries, 
you have these phrases which have documented precedent and the insurance policy is like a collection of those. And, but the underlying things it's trying to say is often very simple and it could almost be said to be programmatic. Like there are like events and then there are conditions and then there are limits, but you're kind of finding yourself living in this history. And here is an area where I think there is like possibility to make great improvements in the future. So that, that is one small surprise. I also find that the entire insurance industry is like one of the least digitized, mm. uh, it must be. It is changing, but there are significant parts of the insurance industry, uh, both in the sort of distribution and product side, which exist like almost as if like pre-software era, not just pre-internet, but like pre, pre-digital. I wouldn't have guessed that. So that was a surprise to me. Uh, I would have guessed that it was behind, but not that it was to, not to the degree that, that it is. And, uh, and this explains a lot about what is odd about the insurance industry. It is just a, a very d- deep and broad uh, need for renewal and becoming digital. And, and, uh, uh, and I, I, and, but it's a very conservative industry and it, they're very bound in rules and, and regulations, which has made it sort of a bit of a laggard. So a lot is going to change in the decade ahead. It's very, very interesting. I, I can imagine your team then has to deal with a significant amount of paperwork and wet signatures and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds very familiar. Uh, Sondra, thank you very much for being on Remote Talks. Uh, where can people find you and the Safety Wing on the internet? You can go to safetyring.com uh, where you can find remote health, health insurance for remote individuals and teams, as well as nomad insurance. Uh, we also have a, a podcast and a great uh, book we're working on called Building Remotely, where we're trying to codify knowledge for companies, startups who want to build remotely. So I recommend checking out that as well. Thanks very much.